The following comes to you through Potbean.com in the artist realm with Sylvia Stein. Here we go. Hello and happy Monday everyone. Good afternoon. Boy do I have a treat for you guys today. Today I have a one-on-one -on -one in the artist realm interview with author James Matthew Byer. Uh, Byer, sorry. He's here today to join us. I'm so excited to have him. He comes to us from Stitch Smile Publications and I'm going to have him introduce himself and speak to you guys today. But I am so excited to start off the week with the one-on-one -on -one in the artist realm uh, with uh, author James Matthew Byers. And I can't wait for him to speak to you guys. And, uh, of course, I'm indie author Sylvia Stein. And, James, welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you so much for having me, Sylvia. I'm so excited to be a part of this. Well, we're excited to have you here today. Very excited. And I know you have a lot to tell us today. So, Let's begin. Uh, why don't you share with everyone, with all the listeners, and uh, I know there's uh, you have fans out there, readers that uh, buy your books, but tell us about yourself. Well, I'm author James Matthew Byers. I live in Wellington, Alabama with my wife and kids. I've been writing and drawing stories as far back as three years old, and just to give away my age, I'll be 43 in October, so I've been doing this for quite some time. I, I consider myself a poet more than anything else. Uh -huh. uh, writing poetry is my favorite way to express myself creatively. Mm -hmm. But I'm also currently the in-house illustrator at Stitch Smile as well, so I get to work with other writers and designing Yay. cover art and you know, fun things like that. So, you know, I, I'm a believer in the arts in general and I'm a huge supporter of theater and music and yes. anything that weaves together because as a community of artists, I feel we need to lean on one another. Yes, that's very important. Exactly. And and you're you're amazing. And I'm so glad I got to know you um, through uh, Stitch Mouth Publication. You've been an amazing. Um, you you do it all. You know, you're a you're a great author. You're a poet, as you said. You also design. You you know you do it all. So it, I I was very excited and thrilled when you wanted to come on to the podcast to speak about what you do and your writing and everything. Oh, well, it's definitely an honor to be here. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. And um, I was going to say, because you, uh, you uh, give us a, like a feel for how you started. I know you said you love to write, but how did you get started in your writing? Well, if I'm going to pinpoint, when I consider myself becoming, I guess, on the path of a poet. Yeah. When I was in sixth grade, we had to learn The Road Not Taken by Robert Frost. Yes. And when I memorized the poem, up until that point, I would write little stories and I would illustrate them. And 
I'd actually considered myself up until sixth grade more of an artist than a writer. The stories were kind of second nature. I would draw pictures. I've been doing a few words to go along. But once I learned that poem, I went to the local library in the city of Moody where I grew up and checked out an entire book of Robert Frost poetry and devoured it. And then I realized that I could write and not only write the poet, you know, poetry style, mm-hmm. I could write and rhyme. And so yes. that kind of started me on my path. And then a couple of years later, I read The Lord of the Rings and I read The Hobbit when I wow. was in the ninth grade. And of course, to start my life off when I was three, I saw Star Wars. It was the very first movie I, I saw. Oh. So kind of a, a, a spectrum of, of you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty random as you can tell. I just hopped all over the map. But yes. you know, you combine those elements of, of sci-fi and fantasy and horror with yeah. poetry. Yes. And, and, and that's kind of what got me into the genres that I write. But definitely yeah. the, the Robert Frost in sixth grade. And from that point forward, I wrote poetry. And then in eighth grade, I wrote my first novella. It was actually, I created wow. a female Ninja, Ninja Turtle and named her Mona Lisa. And <laughs> I wrote a, about a 120-page handwritten story about her. Wow. And then the next year, I wrote my first version of a book I still have today. It's called Animal's Children. I'm actually shopping it. It's stitched. It's the only non-rhyming uh, novel that I've, I've ever done. So it's kind of special to me because it took a break from my yeah. routine. Uh, you know, but the dream I've always had was to be known as the rhyming author. I yes. kind of wanted to be a combination of Dr. Seuss and J.R.R. Tolkien. And so Wow. Yeah. When I opted to take Beowulf, which is my debut from yes. Smile Beowulf, the Midgard Epic, I wrote it in rhyming iambic tetrameter, so you got the rhymes of Dr. Seuss and the fantasy of J.R.R. Tolkien. Wow, that is amazing, and and uh, thank you for sharing all that. Uh, first, not to interrupt you, but I was going to get touched back to, you know, you say you started with uh, with Robert Frost, the poet, and from then grew all the, uh, the, the, the love of, of literature, obviously, you know, is a big part of it. But you also like to combine different genres, like uh, you talked about sci-fi, the horror, the, you know, the poetry, and then uh, the combination of Dr. Seuss uh, with, uh, J, you know, with, with Tolkien's work, which, of course, we know is amazing. You know, they're all, all the authors you mentioned are wonderful. But what I wanted to say about you is that this this epic poem that uh, you released through Stitch Smile Publications, shout out to them, to all of them, and the, it's the Indie Author Publishing House, all of them there, oh, shout out to all of them, and uh, I would have never met James uh, at, at, like I have uh, if it weren't for them, because I got to know James through uh, Stitch Smile Publication, Lisa Vasquez, CEO, and everyone there, well, all the wonderful people there, and James is one of the authors, and one of the things that always came across from you uh, from the start is that you love all types of genres. Aside from what you mentioned, um, you've also uh, loved music, theater, all these different elements. And I, I want you to tell me now about the Beowulf, the Midgard epic, because we know that you put a twist on Beowulf, but um, and you talked a little bit about that, but t- share more about that and you know if, uh, whatever you can as far as for your listeners. Oh, absolutely. Well, when I was about four or five, mm-hmm. I got a book and uh-huh. it had 
monsters for mythology in it. Yes. And Grendel, the beast from Beowulf, was yeah. in that book. And I always had a fascination with him. And so I read everything in the book, and it talked about King Krakgar and, and Herod the Hall and Beowulf coming, and the Beowulf eventually died at the hand of a dragon. And so by the time I got to middle school, and we started having elements of Beowulf come up in my, my English lit classes, yes. it always seemed to amaze the teachers that I had such a, a vast knowledge of this poem because most people either hated it or had never heard of it. Yeah. And by the time I was a senior in high school and, and, and it was full-blown in the course, I was head over heels in love with the tale. You know, I'd also mm-hmm. learned that it was a big inspiration of J.R.R. Tolkien's create his own myth for Europe in the Lord of the Rings saga. Oh, wow. And, you know, through the years, I always came back to Beowulf, and I, and I decided, you mm-hmm. know, at one point, I wanted to make a version that was accessible, mm-hmm. and, and that, that possibly the students, because during this time that I wrote Beowulf, I was teaching middle school English and reading to 6th, 7th, 8th graders. Oh, wow. So, I researched different types of, of meter and, 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 and feet and I came up with the iambic tetrameter it's an unstressed followed by a stressed syllable with, with four iams or feet so you, you get the downbeat of four downbeats per line and it seemed to go very well to be read orally it's as family yes. traditionally was an oral poem yes I, I, you know and I also just again going back to wanting to be the rhyming author I thought you know if I'm going to retell Beowulf and I researched the old English the Anglo-Saxon I Mm -hmm. listened to different versions and I studied and read four or five different translations before I started embarking on my own journey Uh and you know I basically I took the the old text and another poem called The Wanderer because in college and university I wrote a paper that connected The Wanderer and Beowulf and I said that it was actually Mm-hmm. the character Wiglaf at the end of the poem lamenting the loss of his great king. Oh, so that's okay. why I called my version Beowulf the Midgard Epic because it combined two ancient literary texts yes. in one document. And, you know, the thing that I think I enjoyed the most is that I stayed true to the actual source material. Yes. And, however, one thing fun just to throw out there, I'm going to work on two sequels to Beowulf. I'm adding some things that have never been done before. Wow. Because I felt like there was more to the story yeah. than what we were left with. And so, you know, and if you get my version in paperback, I did the illustrations on the inside as well as designed the cover art. And I went with Grendel's mother because she was always my favorite character in the entire poem. Wow. It, James, you, you're just uh, amazing. It's like... Uh, you're, uh, you know, you're very creative, obviously very talented. Um, but I love the way you explained, you know, from the, the start of how um, Beowulf, the Midgard epic, got started. And the way you described the, uh, the different dynamics of the po- poem that you wrote and the way it was written and then the form it was and the, all the research that you did for it. And, and then the combination of, of your paper along with, you know, with the story that you've written. Um, what I was going to say is um, I, hopefully in another show that we have you on um, later on, I would love to have you come and talk about the, the way you write your poetry to kind of go more into detail for those listeners that don't understand about the different uh, ways of writing the, 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 the Beowulf, sorry. 
uh, and uh, the, the way they, they can read it and understand it. Because I know there's a lot of us that love it. Like I read your story and I really went into it and I understood, you know, but there's more to learn every day, I feel. So if one day you can have, um, uh, you know, have, uh, you know, a time, I would, I hope that you'll, you'll be able to um, speak to us more about that. Absolutely. I would totally love to do that. Yes, exactly. Because not not to take it off from what you're saying now, but that way we can kind of speak more about um, the way the way you were describing about the way that the, some of the 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 lines in the poems they have different uh, dynamics as far as when you're reading it, and uh, as far as if you're not familiar with the literature, a lot of us can get a little lost there. So that's why I said hopefully in another show that we can do like a follow up show. Because this also this show is also about learning writing tips and different things that you can give the reader. Hopefully, in another show, I would love to have you speak about that. So, yes, ma'am, I would love that. <laughs> Thank you. But um, I was gonna say, and and you were saying all the the stuff and the, the of course that you went into the illustrations that you have on your paperback, which I just ordered, so I should be getting that soon. I have the the ebook, and I can't wait to look at your designs. Um, but uh, like, what can you tell, share about um, where your art or your where where that comes from? The uh, that side of your of your art, like um, where did it start? Did it, did it start at the same time that you started writing, or what, like this? Because you're also very creative with your drawings. So where does that come from? Wow! Even before the writing, when I was like I said around three, my mom and dad used me when friends would come over to draw pictures of French lips on, on just little envelopes and things from the mail. And from a small age on, I, I, would, I was an avid comic book reader. Okay. And I loved the Saturday morning cartoons. I, I would always watch the, the Super Friends and Spider-Man and his amazing friends and the whole, that whole block. And as I grew into comic books and cartoons, and from starting at that young age, I realized that I could look at a picture and that I could copy it and make it look almost identical. So from the time I was before school age, all the way through elementary school, I would buy comic books and coloring books and I would reproduce the, the images. And that built this ability in me without even realizing it to cross hatch and to know how to shade properly like the comic book format. And when I was in the ninth grade, my Uncle Steve bought me a, a VHS, you know, another way to give away my age, because who knows what a VHS is anymore. Yes. <laughs> it was called How to Draw the Marble Way. And this video taught me how to stop relying on other people's imagery and how to use circles and, and different geometrical shapes and to draw my own characters. And so for the next two or three years, I practiced and practiced and practiced. And once I mastered that concept, now I'm in a place where I can pretty much, you know, design and create anything. It always helps me to have some sort of an image or a model. I have a little wooden figurine, a little mannequin that I can pose. Yes. Because if, if you can see it, it's a lot easier to get the proportions correct. Yes. But also using those geometric shapes help. And I also learned when I was a junior in high school, a friend of mine, Michael Noah, and I, we used to draw back and forth together. And I learned that Tigma inks that are made of India ink, which is what they use to ink the comic book uh, pages with, 
that I could ink as well, and then I could shade, and that's when I totally fell in love with black and white illustration. Wow. Well, that I mean, like I said, you're you're very talented in everything. Like I said, you love poetry. You love, you know, you're you're a very natural born writer, obviously, and you're very creative with your art and your designs, and you know, and bringing back the background of the Super Friends and the way that you just were able to draw stuff without um, basically uh, free, uh, with a freehand, right? That's that you never copied. Like, uh, you just did it on your own. Basically, that's how you knew that you could do it? Yes. Exactly. It's it's amazing to me that, you know, um, all the talent, because I've noticed in Stitch Smile, you know, there's a lot of creativeness. Uh, a lot of people there, authors, editors, you know, you guys have that creativity. And uh, one thing I learned about you, you're very, um, you know, you, you, you do it all. Like, you're editing, you know, you love to edit, you, you write, you... You know, is there something? Is there something that you don't do, James? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if it involves creativity or reading or any sort of art, I'm game to try it if I haven't already. So, you know, just if it, if it's something funny, creative, I'm game to go for it. So, yes. you know, I, there are still, I'm sure, a lot of other. You know, there are a lot of different styles of poetry that I haven't explored mm -hmm. that I would like to, you know, branch into. And so that's one thing on my on my bucket list is to, to differentiate the different styles of poetry and incorporate them in my writing. Uh, if you'll notice, like a lot of my stories, I have a certain pattern that I've kind of assimilated into my rhyming styles that, that I use when I write. But I, you know, as, as a poet, you want to have your own voice. And I tried to combine traditional methods with my own modern take to kind of set me apart. So, you know, just kind of furthering my poetic abilities, that's, that's a big must in my heart, and that's something that calls me to continue, kind of, kind of like our ancestors adventuring across the ocean and new lands. I, I'm, I'm seeking those new poetic islands as we journey. Yes. Oh, I love that. I love how you said that. That's, that's uh, awesome. I love how you, you know, you put that, uh, you know, that image. So that's, that's, that's awesome. Of course, like I said, something else he's good at. <laughs> but I was going to say, and he's very humble too, as you can tell. <laughs> he, does, he gets bashful. I, I could feel, I could sense it when you're talking, you know, because we're talking uh, on the phone today. But I could I could feel that, you know, he's, he's getting bashful now, everyone. He's <laughs> right. Right. But I was going to say, um, so tell us about your books. I know, um, how many books have you published and uh, then we'll get more into the Beowulf, uh, the Midgard epic. You discussed about how you wrote it, but I want you to discuss maybe a bit, a bit of the storyline for everyone and then uh, what's coming up for you. So you can awesome. go into that. Sure. Well, right now I have Beowulf, the Midgard epic, and in Stitch Smiles, Unleashed Monsters vs. Zombies, I have a rhyming a mini epic poem called The Secrets That We Keep. It, wow. it has Dracula, Mina Harker, Frankenstein's monsters and zombies, so there's a little taste of wow. that story. Um, uh, Kevin Kennedy, I was fortunate enough to be involved in his collective uh, horror Easter shorts, and I have a mini epic poem called Killer Jelly Beans from Outer Space, and his anthology that was just released this past Saturday. Wow. I also, I have a poem coming up May in Weird Book Magazine issue number 35 and Yay. the Dinner Fly. So um, I'm 
recently I placed third in a state poetry contest, and I've actually got in both the state and national. I'm a member of the Alabama State Poetry Society, and I'm a member of the Federation of State Poetry Societies, so I'm both uh, state and national level recognized as a poet now, which I'm super excited about. And both of those for their spring contest, I have uh, numerous poems currently waiting to see if I'm going to place or not. So I'm really Yay. excited about that. And I'm, I'm going to be working on some cover art and interior art for a couple of, of the guys at SSP. Mm-hmm. And I've got the Beowulf sequel. I'm finishing up some edits on Anvil's Children that I mentioned earlier, the non rhyming uh, story. Okay. So got that going on. And uh got several other poetry submissions hanging out there right now and you know just whatever creativity comes I like exploded onto the blank page before me wow that's that's you've got you're a busy guy I know I I know I keep busy uh you know of course we have family and stuff that keeps us sometimes from uh you know, uh, not that they keep us from, uh, let me correct that, meaning sometimes we have stuff with our families that uh, we have to take care of first, of course, because family comes first, and we, but but uh, that's first and foremost, but the thing is that, um, you know, we we keep very busy. You're, you remind me of myself, because I like to, I'm, I, what, the name I was given at Stitch, I think Lisa called me Miss Busy Bee, because I'm always <laughs> busy. And, uh, and, and yes, I like to keep busy. I've, I've been learning to kind of take my time now, like try to do slow down a bit because health, of course, uh, family health that comes first. And then, you know, there's everything else. And, and I know you and I've been dealing with, you know, illnesses here with colds and stuff, especially with little ones or children that we have, we, you go through that, but, you, but once you get into it, you just want to dive right in. Right. Am I correct by saying that? Absolutely. You know, once you get past the, the ailments and the illnesses, it's just right back on track. But I'm really blessed. My wife, Shannon, is so supportive of everything that I yes. do. And, and, you know, the kids as well, you know, they, they truly give me that extra wind. Yes. Wings. You know, and, and Shannon actually does editing with Stitch Smile as well. So it's really neat that in that element, the creativity can bring family together. Yes. And that gives she and I something to do together you know and so we've had so much fun you know reading the stories and yes and, and, you know editing is, is a different animal on as long as you well know yes yes <laughs> you know and, and you know i think that what helped me with that process was coming from a teaching background and the yes. numerous rigorous you know hours of grading papers you know it's just like grading homework from a grown-up is the way i like to look at it yes <laughs> exactly exactly and you touched on a good on a good point, you and your wife, and I've noticed that, uh, Shannon, shout out to her and your kids and everybody. Um, it's good to have that supportive spouse, and and uh, and that's one thing I've noticed about you guys. Very supportive of each other. I have the same thing with my husband. If I didn't have that supportive person working or that supportive family, it would be very hard to do what we do. So, Absolutely. So, yes, thank you for bringing that up because that is very, very important. But I wanted to ask you, like, when you're creating um, stories, um, when you sit down to put them on paper, and uh, do you kind of go into, like, plot first, character first? Can you share some of that? You know, this this is probably one of those moments of, oh, my gosh, I can't believe he does this. Because I 99.9% of the time tell my tales wrong. 
Yeah. I sit down. Now, I, I come up usually with a title or a concept. Mm-hmm. And then I just start writing. And as I'm writing, it's, I think it's because I almost have trained my mind to think in rhythm, to think in rhyme. Yes. It, it's a different process than when I sit down and, and I write just the standard prose, non-rhyming story. Okay. Yeah, you know, of course, I have Amel's children. Uh, would start out, it was called The Legacy of Mithril in 1990. And then I actually rewrote it, and I have a rhyming version somewhere on, on an old floppy disk mm-hmm. where I wrote the story in rhyme, and then I rewrote it again, you know, as the non-rhyming tale that I have currently. And I've got another short story uh, submitted to an anthology for Cthulhu Mythos, and it's non-rhyming. But I'll be honest, I've done the rhyming stories for so many years now, it's a completely different process to try to sit down and map out yeah. something that doesn't rhyme because my brain just automatically goes yeah goes into that rhythm. So I start writing, and you know it, it's almost unexplainable. It's like the muse lights on my shoulder, and boom, the next thing I yeah. know, like 30, 40 lines down, and, and I'm like, "There's a story, and it's actually making sense." <laughs> wow, that that no, and 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 some there's a lot of writers that work like that. They, they work better, like, by just, like you said, you can't honestly say how you do every, uh, like, non-rhyming to rhyming, because now, like you said, you're programmed. You're, you're, it's kind of like um, a modern-day uh, Dr. Seuss, for, uh, in a sense, because you uh, love to rhyme, and Dr. Seuss did that for the longest time in his books and stuff, and it's amazing to see that, to hear that, because every every author that I've had on, you know, they have different ways of explaining how they write their stories and it's always good to have a new um, element of the way that you write your stories and you have you know that you create them oh yeah so so and I appreciate you saying that but I was gonna also ask um, um, if uh, for example if if you you know and I know a lot of writers don't like these kind of questions but I'll ask anyway because I want people to you know when they they ask for tips and stuff. Um, as far as when you, like if someone's starting out for writing, like they really love writing, um, what would like what would be your advice from your own personal standpoint of how to go about, uh, you know, wanting to get started? This is an excellent question. And, and I'll tell you, and, and I'm going to take this from the angle of writing poetry since that's okay. primarily what I do. Okay. I've had probably anywhere from 350 to 400 rejections uh, in my in my serious lifetime of writing. I'd say serious, meaning uh, from the late 90s on is when I you know started to submit things. And you know, all of those rejections when I first began, you know, some editors would take time you know to give me some pointers. Mm-hmm. And when I was younger, especially in my 20s, I was so headstrong that, you know, I, I, I was like, well, they're tampering with my craft, and, and if it's not what they want the way I wrote it, then I'm not going to, you know, mm, and yeah. probably, in all honesty, there could have been years, you know, backwards tacked onto my publishing uh, portfolio if I had been willing to understand that they were trying to hold me and to make that lump of coal into a diamond. So my best advice for an aspiring writer, especially a poet, mm-hmm. if you're going to write and rock, and, and finally it's sunk in, there's this magazine called The Sword, 
mm-hmm. and they were a speculative Christian magazine, and so you know they were like the line that was in the wardrobe or Lord of the Rings. There was symbolism yes. in, in what was you know written in their magazine. And I wrote and wrote and wrote, mm-hmm. and they always told me things like you're you're forcing a rhyme, you're swapping the verbiage, your your meter is off, and, and I had yeah. no idea what they were talking about. Well, when I finally you know started. You know, deeper into college and decided yeah. I was going to go into education. Yes. I, you know, took lit classes and I started to understand when I was, you know, in graduate level classes, especially just what they meant. Then I started to research the art of poetry and I started to yes. learn the different types of meter and, and what an I am and a trophy. Yes. When I come back to your show, I'll, I'll explain all these things gladly. Yes. Because one thing that I can tell anyone. If you are submitting poetry and you're putting it in rhyme, if you don't have the proper meter, if you don't have the proper beat, the, the I am or the trochee meaning unstressed, stressed, or stressed, unstressed, yes. they're going to throw that out of the slush pile before they even get to the second or third line because they see the rhythm is off. Yes. You know, and on top of that, a lot of times I found in my early days as a poet, you almost you know come up with a silly type of way to rhyme just because you want to force the rhyme in there and, and sometimes yes. forcing a rhyme also is when you end the word and then you begin the second half of the word on the next line which is a big taboo so know your poetry yes. you know if you're going to be serious about making a, a, you know, a moderate career and even if it's just a hobby and you're, you're wanting to add publishing yes. to your resume be sure if you're not doing free verse or freestyle that you know these different types. Like with a haiku, yes. you know, there's a certain amount of syllables you have to have in, in, in a certain amount of lines. And just little things like that can make all the difference. And always understand, if someone is critiquing your work, they're not doing it to tear you down. They're doing it to build you up. Because without those people at that magazine, The Sword, bringing to my attention, uh, yeah. without me having the willingness to finally let it sink in, I would not have been able to fix Beowulf the way that I fixed it, and yes. I would not have been accepted at Stitch Smile. So that completely changed my life. Wow, that then that's thank you for sharing that. That's very powerful. Basically, they're not tearing you down; they're building you up. Those are key work, key very important phrases and words that people, especially writers or people with a craft that that share their their work that it's like their baby you know that's what we call it like you know because it's a big part of of who we are especially when you're writing or those starting out take it as a stepping stone um that uh you know you're always willing to learn more every day like i've learned a lot of a lot of things throughout my life uh learning new new ways of writing learning uh best way to edit just like what you shared about you know, if you don't have that, those rejections, and I see them more as, like you, like you mentioned, I've had those too. Um, you won't, you won't grow as, as a, as a writer, in my opinion, because I've had the same thing happen to me. And and you mentioned the sword; they gave you that opportunity. Had they not said that, you would have never uh, known that you had to work on these things. And they weren't trying to uh, tear you down; they were trying to help you. And apparently they did because, like you said, now you've created this, uh, you know, this great no- novel, the Beowulf, the Midgard epic. You've gone on to writing more poetry. You've learned more through school also. And I did the same thing. I went for my master's in English 
and writing and uh and I've learned so much, especially at Stitch Smile Publications and editing and the different things I could have done different or do differently. And you learn something new every day from different people throughout your life. And that's like a very powerful, uh, powerful phrases that you shared right now. And I appreciate that. You're most welcome. Yes, because it's important. Uh, a lot of the things that we have as writers, I don't know if that happens to you, but especially when you're young, you only hear the, oh no, they didn't do good, or you wrote this wrong. It's I think it's the mindset when you're younger, you hear, oh no, that's not right. Instead of hearing, no, you didn't do this, but you could change this. That That's what we need to, uh, the, the narrative needs to change uh, in your brain. And that's what, that's what's happened to me. I've, I've, since my twenties to now my forties, I've learned that, that, there, you know, there are different ways of writing, and every day I learn something new from you and from other authors that I could do differently when I'm writing a story. I don't know if that happens to you, but it happens to me. Absolutely. Yes, and and uh, it it it's very crucial, you know, and and those are important messages. So I appreciate you sharing that with everyone because it all new authors, writers, you all need to, you know, just take it you know, slow and don't get stress yourself out. If it's just like, um, James mentioned, you know, the, a hobby that you're, you're adding on publishing to it, or you want to make it a career work on it. Don't give up on it and write every day also. Cause that's also an important part of it. Yes, absolutely. Exactly. And, uh, I was going to ask, thank you, James. Um, also, uh, do you have particular messages that you like to share when you write a story? Like when you're trying to make a point, like, is there a specific message you want to, you want to, uh, share on your stories? I know we all, you know, create a story for a purpose. Is there a specific message or you just, uh, go, go as you, as you, as you finish the story? Well, you know, it depends on what method of, of, of poetry I, I'm, I'm you know, spinning that day. You know, if it's action adventure, then typically it's just straightforward. You know, it, it's an action adventure pick. But there's always, like the band will tell, there's the morality. There's, yes. you know, the, the watch be careful, you know, you know, to not get greedy. And that, you know, money is something you can't take with you when you die, obviously, at the end of the poem. You see that with Beowulf. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and respect. Uh, Wiglaf staying through with his king, no matter the consequences of the dragon's wrath. Yes. You know, and, and when you read the different things, I do tend to, you can almost look at, at what I write as a fable. Uh, you know, like what folklore was all about. There's always some sort of lesson packed in there somewhere and whether it hits you in the face and it's just blatantly woven throughout it or it's something you take away without realizing it i do like to embed little messages within everything i write so that's definitely something that i enjoy doing. oh that's that's important thank you and that and that's also i like i like what you said that you know it's uh every every story you have a different message and you shared about the you know the beowulf the epic bill mill I keep mispronouncing the Midgard epic. I, I said I was gonna say the epic Mid Midgard. It's the Midgard epic. Sorry about that. And it's it's a Monday. <laughs> uh, but I was gonna also ask. Thank you for sharing that. And those messages are very important. 
But um, what is something we don't know about you, James, that, you know, from what we've discussed so far, what is something that your uh, listeners, your people you work with don't know about you? Hmm. I'm a pretty open book. I, you know, I will say this. Uh, I, a lot of people know this, but maybe some people don't. I am an avid business man, and we have now seen Beauty and the Beast three times in the movie theater. Uh, <laughs> when, when I was a, a junior in high school, and when it was released on VHS, I did, I took the, the VHS cover and I redid it into a 14 by 17 colored piece of art. And I won the school art show that year. Oh, wow. And so Beauty and the Beast has always been one of my absolute favorite movies, you know. And, and the live action version just swept me away and I hadn't had that much fun at the movies since I was a small kid going to see Star Wars I think that's wow. I told people that it was probably like going to see Gone with the Wind or the original Wizard of Oz it's just that mesmerizing so some people might know that but maybe a lot of people don't I'm a huge fan of Disney and Tim Rice uh, Howard Ashman and Alan Lincoln that composed The Little yeah. Mermaid and Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast that, that era is probably my favorite of the Disney a movement, but of course I love Frozen and I love Moana. My, my little girl, uh, she <laughs> she loves Maui. Oh. Everything's Maui, and, and now she started uh, singing from Beauty and the Beast. She loves the, the song Gaston. She she's only two and a half, and she'll go, no one is keep on, So Disney is definitely a, a, a fun a fun thing for me, and yes. you know, that's the softer side of James Madison. I'm not always, you know, alien and predator and, and, and horror and, and hard sci-fi. You know, there's also the Disney side. Yes, <laughs> yeah, the theater, the theater side. You, you and I have that same uh, stuff, and I love talking to you and stuff because we share. Like, I'll post something, and you'll always like like my post of a show. Like right now, you know, I, I love the theater also, and I love Beauty and the Beast, and I'm a big uh, Broadway person. I love all the Broadway stuff. When Smash was on TV, I lo- I watched that show and all the oldie older movies, Gone with the Wind, and uh, I'm also the Wizard of Oz and anything musical. My husband can tell you, you know, I'm a big big theater buff also, and and I enjoy uh, sharing that with other people. Like now, my biggest obsession right now is watching um, Betty and Ju- and and uh, Joan on FX uh, Feud. Um, that's like the biggest thing now for me watching on, on a TV show. Uh, you know, I get, I get real into the, oh, that period of time, the Hollywood starlets and stuff. And the, and my husband's like, oh, there we go. He's, she's going to watch her show. And I really love that kind of, kind of feel, you know, the oldie type of stuff getting right off topic. But you know, like I said, you know, that you got that softer side with your kids, the Disney side, you know, that's me with my daughter. You know, she's in dance, and she also loves Disney. And it's so cute when you describe that, you know, you love your horror, you love your alien versus predator, but you love Beauty and the Beast. You have that softer side, so that's important too. You know, we all have a different side, and it's all, it's important to share all that. So that's that's nice that you were kind enough to uh, to answer that, that question. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so, so much, James. I have really, really enjoyed having you today. I really... Um, uh, hope to have you again because, like I said, you're a wonderful author, a great person, first of all, uh, um, 
great author, very creative, poet, everything all wrapped up in one. And uh, what I wanted you to share now is where can people find you on social media? Do you have an email, newsletter, anything you can share so people can follow you on the uh, for a new new view, uh, listeners today? Awesome. On Twitter, I'm at Matt Byers 40. That's at capital M-A-T-T, capital B-Y-E-R-S, four zero. And you'll find me on there. Um, James Matthew Byers on Facebook. Just look me up. Let me know you're a fan and we'll connect. And also, if you go to www.thepros.com, I'm at James M. Byers is my handle there. And you can read numerous poems. I've had three that actually won their challenge of the week. I won $100 each for those poems. Yay. So those, and, and also at WordPress, James Matthew Byers at WordPress, I have a blog. If you love to see you, come follow me on my blog. Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be, uh, for being here today, James. And, uh, uh, for everyone here, um, uh, we really appreciate having you. And we will talk to you guys again on In the Artist Realm with Sylvia Stein. Hopefully on Wednesday for the writing tips I'll be having for the Roy Peter Clark book. And also on Thursday, we're going to, I think this week is full of Stitch Smile publication uh, people. And uh, we're going to have the amazing uh, CEO of Stitch Mile Publications. She does it all also, Lisa Vasquez, on Thursday. So this is going to be a fun-filled week of podcast, And we got it all started with James Matthew Byers. Thank you so, so much for being here today, James. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Sylvia. It's been a blast. Thank you.